Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. Christmas is a time of family getting together, decorating, wrapping presents, eventually sitting down and having a meal. And then after the meal, some of us during that time will sit down and watch our favorite Christmas movies. Right, whether it's Miracle on 34th Street, right, it's a Wonderful Life, more recently, Elf, right, and, but recently, in the past years, there's been this other trend where Hollywood has made an effort to take all of these wonderful experiences and create what I would call Christmas horror films, right? So here's a few, um, right? So it's a wonderful knife, nightmare on 34th Street, a creature was stirring, it's a mean one in light of the Grinch Who Stole Christmas, Violent Night, Mary Had a Little Lamb, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and so on. Right? And, and all of these films, right, are trying to hijack what you and I experience on. Christmas Eve into Christmas. And, but when you take a step back, the very verses we're looking at today were spoken in a time period of horror. When you look at the birth of Christ, Christ was birthed into a time of horror. Christ came to conquer horror and sin. And when you look at the Assyrians, right, the Assyrians were not an easygoing people. Recently in 2020, um, they were doing an excavation and, the, and they found these clay tablets. And upon these clay tablets were these horrible images Images that really caught people by surprise because they, they heard of the stories of the Assyrians in reference to how they would impose terror. But then these tablets um, validated those statements. In other words, they would impale their captors, and they would impale them just below their ribcage, and the pole would be not sharpened, but rounded enough 
so that the person would just hang there by their weight. And then little by little, their weight would eventually give way, and it was just a form of torture. They would decapitate their captors. And historians say that they would take the heads of their victims and decorate all the trees as you came into the city, and that would give a different picture to decorating a Christmas tree. Or they would mound them up in a cone shape just so that people would be able to see them. They would fillet the skin off their captors. And again, and as I'm speaking, you're saying, hey, isn't this supposed to be a Christmas Eve message? Right? But it's, it's the picture in which the pronouncement of the coming Christ was set into. And then lastly, they would take those who ruled those regions and they would remove the bones of their ancestors and they would have them pulverize the bones of their ancestors in order to eliminate any possible remark that somebody is heir to a throne. So they would eliminate their total existence. So when you think of horror, that is the horror that Isaiah was speaking these words. Again, the northern country experienced the blunt of the Assyrians. And as they made their way to Judah, that would have been during 734 to 732 B.C. And if you were to come to a trip to Israel with us, we would make our way to this little place, a little fortress called Lachish. Right? And, and, and that's an important place because that's where the Assyrians wanted to set up a camp in order to attack Jerusalem from the south. And when they discovered this fortress and they started to excavate, they found something very odd in, in the ground. About 30 feet down, there was a band of just dark ground dirt. And as they excavated and they did their experiment, they found that it was just tainted by human blood. Because eventually they would conquer this little fortress and everybody and everything that lived in the fortress was slaughtered. And they said that the blood flowed like rivers. So when you and I go to this place and we are walking up the entrance, you can see this band of black dirt. And it's just to show the brutality of the Assyrians. And, and here's what I, I would like for you to picture that based on the reading of these seven verses. 
And again, today we're going to be just focusing on verses 4 and 5. But I just need you to hear what Isaiah was communicating. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former times, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in latter times, he has made glorious the way of the sea and beyond, and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of all the nations. Okay, that went off. Right? Oh, there we are. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoils. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for your shoulders and the rod of the oppressors you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every brute of the trampling warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Right now, those words were a prophecy a prophecy that would be fulfilled almost 700 years later. But when you hear Isaiah speaking them, he's speaking them as if they had happened. But they are also speaking about a time of horror that's happening at that time when Isaiah received this prophecy. Imagine... For a moment just hearing that the Assyrians are coming. And the northern country has already been demolished. And it is the northern country that will experience the glory of God first. So now we're going to look at our verses for this morning. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulders and the rod of his oppressors, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Now, this verse references a few different events. In general, it should remind you if you're a reader of the Old Testament and you are 
well verse, it should remind you of the time where God led his people out of Egypt because of the term yoke, of that burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor. Right? Because when you read Old Testament, it's supposed to at times point you back to these big events that God did among his people. And yes, and when you read it, it should also remind you of Gideon. Specifically, Gideon's chapter 7, verses 22 through 25. That's where God is having a conversation with Gideon. Right? And God says, you know what? I've seen the size of your army. You got too many people. You got to cut it down. You got to cut it down. And eventually he's down to 300 fighting men. But, but they don't even have the tools to fight. What, what he gives them is a trumpet. It's like, what? Right? But with that, right, it, it isn't the people that defeat the coming warriors. It is God who defeats them for them. And that is something I need to remember every single day of my life. It isn't I who wins the battle, but God. And then he would say, for every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burnt as fuel for the fire. Right, so that's every warrior, everybody who was involved in the campaign. There's going to come a time where you return back home, and because of peace, I won't need the instruments of war. I will be able to take off my boots. I will be able to roll up all the garments that have the blood stains of all the people that have died around me. And I will be able to burn them because I will not need them anymore. And this picture is the picture that God gives us in reference to the coming Christ. Right, because where Gideon needed at least 300, God is only going to send one. And he's going to send one baby. One baby in order to conquer sin. To conquer the very horror that you and I experience on a regular basis. You know, the very thing that just wretches our heart. And he's going to send a baby that from all intents and purposes is going to need the help of a mother and father to raise that baby up. Right? Imagine God needing that kind of help. But it's in Jesus that all of a sudden the things that we struggle with are taken care of. And here's the thing, right? That the things that God 
sees as important for you and for me sometimes are not the things we see as important to us. God wanted to take care of sin by sending his one and only son. In other words, the very things that were set into place on Genesis 3.15, God wanted to take care of. And we see the fulfillment of all of that. And here's the thing. These words are spoken in the middle of trauma, distress. It looks as if we're going to lose. And I'm sure some of you feel like you're going to lose. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And here's my encouragement, right? There is not a single thing that you and I go through that will quiver God on his throne. Right, just think about it for a moment. How many times have you and I gone, oh, I can't believe this is the worst thing I've ever gone through, only to find out five, six months later, that we find ourselves in the middle of the worst thing we've ever gone through. And then five, six months later, oh, it's the worst. No, God is with us through every valley. As it says in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God doesn't leave us in the valley. He leads us out of the valley. That is the God we worship. In other words, he takes care of every aspect that you haven't even thought of yet. Like, I have situations with my parents. I have situations going on with my son. I have situations just with immediate family member. And sometimes, if I focus too much on those situations, the person who's out of focus is Christ. And it's not to say that those things that we go through aren't important. But here's the thing. Satan doesn't care. Satan wants to take your pain and struggle and just create more chaos, more destruction, But God himself has a plan. And here's the thing, right? It, it's a plan that he gives us enough information, but he doesn't give us all the details. And guess what you and I struggle with? We want details. How's this whole thing going to work out, Lord? How's it going to work out? But in the beginning of Isaiah, Isaiah talks about a promise. And it's a promise that you and I can hold on to. It is a promise of Christ's peace where he conquers all war. Right, so hear these words from Isaiah 2. I'm going to read from verse 2 to verse 4. 
It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted above all the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up swords against nations, neither shall they learn war any more. Imagine about no more war, right? So here's how you have to read these verses, right? Isaiah is saying that in Christ there will be no more war. So we have to live out our lives as if there is no more war. In other words, in Christ we can have faith that he has it. Now let me just say, just because I have faith and I'm trusting doesn't mean that I won't go through pain and suffering. Right? Because we're reminded in the Gospel of Matthew, blessed are those who are persecuted for my namesake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? So sometimes there is pain and suffering. Sometimes the pain and suffering will consume my life maybe. But I can have faith that in the future to come, that God will be victorious according to his words, that there will be peace. We celebrate Advent, as Barry said earlier, especially that first candle, that candle of hope, because that first candle reminds us that he came once. But that first candle also reminds us that he is going to come again. But he isn't going to come the way he came the first time. He's going to come as king. He's going to come as God. Let us pray. Lord, we do thank you. Thank you for all that you do and all that you have done for each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray that you would meet us exactly where we are. Lord, you are a God who, in your life, in the giving of your life, you conquered sin and death. You defeated Satan. And Lord, you did all of that for us, for us. 
Lord, we thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepare to receive and partake of the Lord's table, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, broke it, blessed it, gave it to his disciples, said, this is my body, broken for you. A little later on in the evening, he took the cup and in the same manner, gave it to his disciples, said, this cup represents my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. And that often as you eat and drink of this cup, you proclaim my saving death until I come again. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for these elements. And Lord, I pray that you would make them to our faith, your body broken and your blood shed. Lord, help us now as we commune with you. We thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.